It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. Hello and welcome to A Public Affair. It's Wednesday, December 20th. You've got me. I'm your host today, Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to A Public Affair on volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. And we have a fabulous show lined up today. Um, Sort of our end of the year. At the end of the year, we always like to talk about What the heck happened in Wisconsin politics? So this is our end of the year 2023 wrap up. I think there'll maybe be some good things. A lot of things where we're just like, oh, my God, banging our head against the wall. And today our guest, I think the first time she's been on my show, which is insane. It's because she's on every other show and I can never get her because she's so fabulous. It is Wisconsin State Representative Francesca Hong. Hello, Francesca. Good afternoon. How are you, Carousel? I'm really good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Thank is, you for asking. Is this the first time you've been on my show? I think. I think maybe. I think so. I can't. That's wild. Well, I hear well, you. Don't to be a regular, so you'll have to invite me back, and we can make up for the the times <laughs> that I wasn't here. I would have you on the show all the time, um, but I think you're. I always hear you on Ward, so thank you for always being on my show now and everyone else's show and just making such a great contribution to um, the work community. It's really appreciated. So let's sort of start. Okay. I want to maybe start with what's happening right now. There's so much happening at the Capitol. Um, But what's in the news right now is the insanity with funding UW um, colleges and UW Madison, but even beyond First of all, can you sort of frame us big picture about what is happening at UW and sort of how we got to this crisis of them slashing um, DEI programming? It's because our state legislature is not funding UW. Exactly. I think it's important to recognize that we got here because the state legislature and the majority um, of Uh, the majority, which is the Republican Party, have been underfunding our public universities for almost a decade. And what happened this past year is that in the budget session, uh, Speaker Voss cut $32 million uh, for the universities. And so, and then he said, and he held that funding hostage um, until uh, that until there was an elimination of DEI programming and that he wasn't going to fund the salaries of folks uh, who were in those positions. And so they worked out a deal. Um, Speaker Voss, uh, President Rothman, and Chancellor Mnuchin was involved as well um, to ensure that uh, the uh, raises that were promised to public employees and then but the raises that were not included were just for university workers uh, would be able to go through and the funding for important projects like the engineering building um, and one of the buildings that happened to be in Speaker Voss's alma mater at UW-Whitewater would get the funding that it needed. But it's important to recognize that why we got here was because the speaker withheld that funding for the universities and only funded public employees that were not associated with the universities, um, those pay raises. And this was, I want to make sure it's clear This seemed to be a promise that people, uh, I mean, a promise, that's the right word. People had already expected that these pay raises were coming because they had been told they would be coming and made hiring and job retention and all of these things decision based on the assumption that Speaker Voss's word is uh, something you can rely on. 
Yeah, it's never something you can rely on. And I think when he withheld that 32 million from the budget and then continued to withhold those pay raises that our university workers, including folks who are on the service staff, um, you right. know, that he, he withheld those um, deliberately to try to negotiate uh, defunding and eliminating programs and uh, uh, programs associated with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So sort of remind us of where we are now then so what happened it it was really confusing i remember sort of celebrating when i saw oh my god the board turned this down the board said no we're not going to play your games and then a week later they changed their mind give, yes. give us sort of the play-by-play -play of this yes yeah, the speaker and unfortunately the president circumvented legislative process and uh, came out with this deal. And the only reason the legislature found out about it was because the Senate majority leader had leaked it to the press. And so we really didn't see details of these uh, of this deal, uh, but we knew that it was going to eliminate um, and uh, really compromise uh, DEI across the state universities. And so um, legislative Democrats uh, organized and and really worked with uh, the students who were going to be most impacted to reach out to the regents and urge them to reject this deal. And on Saturday, the initial vote of the regents um, shockingly went and uh, to reject the deal. Mm -hmm. And then um, there was a closed door meeting, which uh, was also unprecedented the following week. And then um, on Wednesday, the... Uh, what was last Wednesday? <laughs> um, was it the Board of Regents Wednesday, again? Yeah, Wednesday the 13th, the Board of Regents met again and four of the members had flipped. And I think it's important to recognize mm -hmm. that there was a threat made from the Senate uh, president that the board members who had not yet been confirmed, um, that they would essentially get, quote unquote, fired uh, for not approving this deal. And so there really was uh, an issue of process and the governor uh, reacted and, and sent out uh, a press release disappointed in that process. Um, and now essentially what is happening is, is uh, the Joint Committee on Employee Relations met um, and fortunately released um, those funds. And so folks uh, in the university system will be getting their raises and back pay in January um, and buildings and and uh, and funding will go out to the universities. Um, but what has been compromised and the precedent that has been set is that the university president is willing to uh, essentially compromise and, and uh, take uh, political deals from the legislature um, in order to get the funds needed. And so we're, um, I think it's it's incredibly disappointing. And what people may, aren't really talking about is that uh, what this does is it does not prioritize a lot of universities who are already over capacity and underfunded to prioritize DEI and, yep. and see it really as administrative burden as opposed to a priority and a value. Um, I'm not as worried for our flagship university, to be honest. I think that the, the programming and, and the amazing staff that work to make our students feel included and a sense of belonging um, is strong. Uh, but but really that the folks who are, I think, vulnerable are, are the ones who are in smaller communities at some of our system schools um, who deserve to have uh, faculty that are reflective of their experiences um, and, and really to see diversity um, as our strength and, and what Voss has said is that he's going to work to eliminate DEI uh, across all universities, and this is just the beginning. Well, and I mean, this just sends an unprecedented, you know, message that everything's at play and that UW is going to have to bargain and beg for every penny that they get, even though our, you know, the city of Madison is the economic driver for the state of Wisconsin and UW Madison, the, you know, foundation of so many jobs, so much education. So the, the future of our country, the future of our state. Uh, and, and yet none of that matters, the value that they bring. And the, 
they sort of were willing to compromise and sell that short. And what, what does that mean for the future? What happens next for UW is that everything then is is potentially threatened. I think it sets a very dangerous precedent that um, there's a cost and a price tag for student experiences. And the people who were least involved in, and, uh, in this process were the students, yeah. and they did not have a voice at the table during the process. And I think that it goes as far as... Um, you know, extortion of our public universities. Mm -hmm. And that, again, is by design and deliberate by the majority party, uh, because they know that our institutions, it's where curiosity, uh, creativity, and critical thought happens to create more engaged citizens. And to be honest, that isn't the the uh, a lot of the times that isn't the communities uh, that share values with the majority party and and the fact that they are willing to um, that our leadership right now at the universities is willing to compromise. I understand that they're in a difficult position, um, but it was really the process and again. Um, putting uh, uh, the precedent that this sets um, to not prioritize diversity is is incredibly dangerous. And I mean, critical thinking, they see that as a, a threat to them, that, that that in itself is quite a statement. Yeah. I mean, and I if just, it's not yeah. DEI, it's going, it was before it was CRT, and, and they're just going to be uh, desperately trying to hang on to to some uh, divisive measure that right. uh, really undermines, you know, a diversity of experience. And I mean, this is if you are a person of color or a veteran or a queer person or a disabled person who's at universities, you don't feel valued. You don't feel seen. And and really, this this goes beyond just our universities. Like I worry that Wisconsin is going to be uninhabitable for 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 people yes. of color. Yes. Um, and and I think already even places like Madison, we have, you know, when I talk to um, uh, people from, um, you know, people of color and, in, and within their communities, um, it, they don't always feel a sense of, of welcoming. And that that really is heartbreaking. Well, and it's, it's so interesting. You know, I, every everyone is you go through a, your stage in life and whatever you're doing, you learn more and and see new things and I, in this past year, I have a high school senior. So all of a sudden I've, I've seen the world of applying for colleges and it's part of the conversation in all of these, you know, college meetings of, do you really want to apply to a school in a state that doesn't think that you are someone that belongs there? And my white cisgendered, you know, daughter had just has made decisions not to apply to schools in Tennessee and you know Florida and Tulane and all of these schools that are fabulous schools that she would be honored right to if if they would accept her and it just makes you think oh this is what everyone's thinking about Wisconsin too and the impact that it will have on our state and on all these states because we're not willing to acknowledge that we need everyone to be successful. And the it's just really scary to think what's going to happen. Exactly. And I think it undermines and undervalues the many contributions that communities of color, disabled folks, veterans uh, have done for the universities and even in our broader communities. So there's a, there's, there seems to be a, and this is just the beginning to the story the recent articles are now about how uh, Speaker Voss wants to dismantle equity and inclusion and diversity programs uh, throughout the state of Wisconsin. What happens next? It will continue to use DEI as a wedge to divide and really um, create and sow culture wars across the state. And I worry that it's not just going to be our universities. Um, we saw that Voss wanted to eliminate just today uh, uh, diversity programs within the state bar. He's going to go after agencies. Uh, he's going to go after institutions. And I think, again, what this takes away from and, and sets precedent that government we saw during the COVID pandemic and the start of it is a force of good. And when you make investments in people, 
communities begin to thrive and get stronger and every person feels like they deserve and have dignity and security. Yet what the majority party wants is for people to feel scared, for people to feel threatened. And I worry again that instead of seeing diversity as our strength, uh, they're really going to undermine that and, and continue to divide uh, and try to divide and conquer. It feels like the last gasps, gasps of uh the privileged white male. I mean, someone that just has no understanding of what it's like to be the other anytime they enter the room. Sometimes I wonder if passing legislation that allows us to have uh, therapy and and uh, peer support and mental health resources for our members uh, would help them recognize that they, they really should <laughs> not be threatened by vulnerability. Um, but yeah, we, we have, you know, a lot to celebrate. And I think uh, as, as disheartening as it is to see um, the horrific decisions of Speaker Voss, um, we have ways to really attack back um, and, and as Democrats continue to talk about what we're fighting for. We're talking right now, everyone, with Wisconsin State Representative Francesca Hong. We are pre-recording this show just an hour or so before it airs live on uh, WORT. So no time for callers this time. But, of course, as we talked at the beginning, we will have Francesca on again. And um, always time to um, have great conversations. But I'm so glad that you are here talking with us about the legislative year in review 2023 uh, politics for the state of Wisconsin. Um, I think another big thing that happened this year recently was the fight um, for the rights of trans individuals uh, in Wisconsin and beyond. And that was a fight that maybe had an OK ending. I won't call it a happy ending, an OK ending in that the legislature uh, did approve uh, legislation that would take away um, the health care rights and beyond of uh, trans individuals. And it was vetoed by um, Governor Evers. But it, it feels it was just, again, more of the culture wars, so much hatred, so much vindictiveness. What was it like at the state capitol during those days? Just the introduction of anti-trans bills is harmful, not just to the trans and queer community, but it's harmful to the greater community. Yep. Because what the trans community shows us is that there is profound beauty and curiosity and amazingness in, in being trans. And they contribute to our community and just want to live. Um, and I think that uh, what was really uplifting and heartening was the solidarity of people all across the state prioritizing trans lives and taking time out of the day to come and give powerful testimony defending the trans community and ensuring that trans rights are human rights that need to be protected. Um, so seeing the stacks of letters from folks across the state, seeing um, multiple generations of Wisconsinites coming to defend the trans community and really stick it to um, the bigoted uh, commentary and testimony money from Republicans who want to attack trans health care. And, and we know that this care has been approved by multiple uh, national uh, health groups and organizations. Um, yet what is what is being said is that it's not quote unquote settled science, that they're that's their new alternative fact. And and well, usually I don't like to repeat their talking points, but I think it's important to remember that it's it's sometimes not about fighting facts with like we can't fight fire with facts we have to fight fire with fire and and we saw the fiery organizing of the queer and trans community and allies uh, and faith leaders uh, coming to fiercely defend human rights and that was really really powerful uh, to see and be a part of at the capitol it was so interesting you talk about how it's just not based in reality. It was interesting to see across the country in uh, states redder than Wisconsin uh, where legislation like this passed and state Supreme Court ruled them illegal and struck them down because they just said this is not based in science. You were just making this stuff up. How, how much of a change are you seeing where... Arguments, it's not just about 
a political philosophy. Conservatives and Republicans believe one thing. Uh, liberals and Democrats believe another. But it, it's almost like there's no truth behind what they're saying. So they just in, invent things to to to. I don't even know how to articulate it, but it, it, I don't know how to respond to it sometimes. It's uh, absurdity. And I think you're absolutely right that they are manufacturing crises and problems because they know that the policies and truths and their values do not align with the majority of people and certainly not the majority of Wisconsinites. So they have to exacerbate problems and, and you know, keep throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, which item which issue is going to be the most divisive and so the most fear and hatred and bigotry um and i think that this is something that uh you know is you're seeing this pattern because they're getting bill mills from their uh, they're getting bills from bill mills like conservative groups uh including alec and and other uh uh inst- like uh think tanks uh, that are just giving these pieces of legislation to uh, legislatures uh, to put out and it's it's coordinated, it's manufactured, um, and it's it's in no way uh, intended to uh, provide policy that is, is good uh, and instead mm-hmm. is just trying to attack governing. How much do you think uh, this has to do with the fact that next year at this time, we'll be talking about the results of the 2024 election and a desire to sort of, I mean, you said it perfectly, manufacture crisis so that all we're doing is looking at the crisis that they've invented um, and they're thinking that will motivate people when it comes to election time and beyond. Do you think that has something to do with this? I think it's really sad how predatory they are being to voters and not giving the people credit for recognizing and knowing what they need to take care of their families, to feel safe, uh, to send their kids to school, to, to, you know, all these things that should be a normal part of of the working class and, and, uh, you know, should be opportunities and and rights for for everyone things like economic security they they really don't want people to recognize how many shared values we have yeah. how how many of us are actually they we care about a lot of the same things and so that's what drives a lot of these uh divisive rhetoric and mechanisms is because they don't want us to come together they don't want us to have community or solidarity so when we see that happening, when we see unions, when we see mothers, when we see folks coming together fighting for human rights, it's a form of the the best type of resistance uh, to this type, to this this massive horrific movement um, of of you know conservative right wing extremists who want to sow division. They just happen to be louder. That doesn't mean they're right. And there mm-hmm. are more of us who care about our communities than anything else. Well, I mean, I think that's a perfect transition to enough of that, enough of the first the the first two things that we've talked about, about the the hatred and division that that's coming out of the Capitol. I think one of the biggest things that happened in Wisconsin in 2023 and according to a lot of the country, one of the biggest things that happened in the United States in 2023 was the election in April of 2023 and the election of um Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Janet Protasewicz. Can you take us back to April and sort of the hope? And really, abortion was on the ballot, even though uh, it wasn't there in in words. It was there in spirit. And so many of just the progressive values and fighting back um, against taking away individual rights. Abortion was on the ballot. Democracy was on the ballot. Freedom was on the ballot the right to uh, access health care and have, you know, fully funded schools, uh, the right to unionize. All of these things may just be decided on at the state Supreme Court level. And uh, the election of the new justice has been uh, really, uh, I hope, uh, a win that, uh, you know, motivates people to, to take this as as 
uh, the new wave of progressive values uh, and people who represent progressive values to be elected into positions of power. Yeah. I will note that the most encouraging part of that election was the almost 40% increase in youth voter turnout. Mm-hmm. I- our students and uh, the younger community. And as an elder millennial, I'm not going to count myself in that. Uh, But to see, it was unfortunate that there have to be lines to vote, but to see the lines at places like UW-La Crosse and and hearing about people literally signing folks up to vote in the elevators of, of, you know, their, their dorms. I think it's, it's incredibly uh, hopeful and, and gives me trust in that young people are going to continue to vote their values. It was so exciting and so energizing to see the success of that. And tell us a little bit actually about, you know, the Republican response to it, it, I felt like it was a temper tantrum. I pictured, you know, a little kid on the floor with their fists going back and forth and they're kicking their legs up when they sort of talked about impeachment, impeachment. We're going to impeach uh, Janet Protasiewicz before she had done a darn thing. A temper tantrum is absolutely right. They try to create immense chaos to, again, undermine our elections, which are free and fair and secure, um, to undermine election officials, really insult people who are uh, volunteering and working with very few resources uh, in clerk's offices across the state. And it was, uh, I think, an act of desperation and and. Uh, a dangerous act uh, to uh, try to impeach and, and even threaten impeachment yeah. uh, of the justice and and then to pretend that they care about things like democracy by putting out really a disingenuous fair maps uh, bill. And I think that, uh, again, uh, the people who organized, you know, the folks who were able to fundraise off of that horrific threat showed that, uh, you know, no matter where you may stand on the on political ideology, um, the impeachment of someone who was rightfully elected uh, with over 11 points, which in Wisconsin is an absolute landslide. Yes. Uh, yeah. Removing her from office uh, was is is going way too far and, and purely undemocratic. And you just reminded me the fair maps bill. It didn't. I remember reading it going what what i don't get it this this sounds okay so is it a a trap what was that and what happened to it that mindset is absolutely right it was disingenuous it was pretending that it was close to the iowa model i spoke to the state auditor in iowa i had him look over the bill and what we found especially is that when you uh control search for the word courts uh it doesn't appear in the bill Hmm. and so it's a bill that uh really does not have protections or guardrails uh against the legislature uh crafting a map that uh uh or approving a map, I, sh- I should say, that the maps would be created by a, the Nonpartisan Legislative Reference Bureau. Um, but there are no protections uh, to stop the majority party or Speaker Voss um, from having uh, a map for elections that are uh, unfair and undemocratic. Fascinating. That is really fascinating. It, it, it looked like an effort in an olive branch. And you want to believe, we want to believe in olive branches, but that's not what it was so i think that actually cues us up you know if we can right we're in charge of the show we can talk about anything we want maybe we can talk about something that's going to happen in the very near of 2024 what we're sitting here waiting for is what what the maps look like and what where are we sitting right now with the wisconsin supreme court Yes. Yeah, so um, going back to August is when um, Clark versus Wisconsin Elections Commission, uh, they provided um, uh, uh, I, I, it's not argument, but I, I think a briefing. Sorry. Yeah. They provided the brief that really set uh, the uh, in uh, began the momentum uh, for us to uh, to fight uh, through litigation for fair maps. And just um, a couple weeks ago, um, on a Tuesday, uh, 
the uh, state Supreme Court heard oral arguments mm -hmm. on the constitutionality of the maps and on if there were contiguous lines or con uh, contiguity. Um, and, and what's important to remember about these arguments is that uh, it proves uh, that our current maps are undemocratic, gerrymandered, and, and unconstitutional. And uh, we're waiting for the ruling on uh, from those arguments. Unfortunately, we we really have no idea when that could drop, uh, but it provides uh, a pathway to fair maps, uh, which is something that uh, regardless of, again, we're hearing from Republicans and Democrats and independents across the state, uh, that having fair maps is what uh, provides us a pathway uh, to have policies that reflect our values. We're talking right now with Wisconsin State Representative Francesca Hong about 2023 year in review of Wisconsin politics. We are pre-recording this interview uh, just just an hour before um, actually airing. So um, we are incredibly timely. It is still Wednesday, December 20th, but unfortunately no, um, no uh, space for callers this show, but um, in the future we will have that. Um, so Francesca, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the legislation that, that came through and especially some of the things that you were uh, one of the leaders on. Talk to us about the economic justice bill for all and the efforts that you're making to uh, make Wisconsin more equitable for everybody. Yeah, so uh, Representative Shelton and I, uh, Rep. Shelton represents Green Bay, we introduced for the third time the Economic Justice Bill of Rights. Um, and what's most exciting about when we released this resolution is the solidarity across uh, grassroots movement organizers, local elected officials, and even our statewide elected officials, uh, and knowing that this is the, the really the, the cornerstone and the principles uh, that every uh, Democrat and progressive agrees upon, whether it's mm -hmm. the right to unionize, uh, the right uh, to clean air and clean water, uh, the right to fully funded uh, child care and education and public education. Um, these, again, are what's uh, the 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 core for us to build a foundation and have policies, again, that reflect the values of the majority of Wisconsinites across our state. Um, and so economic justice uh, ensures economic security for all. And I think uh, these uh, it's 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 most exciting to see again that uh, when we come together united um, and it's harder to divide us, we we have a lot of power. And, and just going back for a moment to that UW Regents Board vote. Yeah. It was one of the first times that I, I saw um, our Democratic caucus uh, be unwavering in, in coming together to fight for diversity. And I think that's what helped make and cement our power, our leverage, and to show that when we organize all together, um, we can win. And, and even though it wasn't the final result that we wanted, we really shook the core of, of the institution when we showed that within less than you know, 24 hours, we collected over 1,700 signatures and students sent hundreds of emails to tell their stories about why uh, they needed their regions to reject the vote. So the Economic Justice Bill of Rights really is an organizing tool uh, and, again, a way for us to, to be united um, as Democrats and progressives. I mean, let's break down sort of all those different pieces because they were those were really exciting conversations that we're having at the Capitol. And I appreciate how you're reminding us to frame this, that it isn't about the win um, at every step. It, it's about the success of the unity, the moving the conversation forward so that our voices cannot be ignored. Um, exactly. That's and that is the true success that you have been a part of at the Capitol. I want to break down all the different things you talked about. Can we talk about child care? That was something that we talked a lot about on our show. And I felt like there was remind us sort of what happened. There was some funding that was going to get cut and it was supposed to be in the budget. But the um, Republican leadership refused to include it. What happened and where are we now? 
The Republicans are unserious about meeting our very, very uh, uh, challenging uh, workforce issues. And childcare, we know, is a comprehensive, positive impact on not only our local economy, uh, but ensure that our families and people working in childcare uh, feel valued and, and can get the support they need. We tried uh, to organize and rally to ensure that childcare counts um, uh, which is 300 million uh, into a program that has been proven to work. Yeah. It kept childcare centers open. It supported the providers and ensured that they could keep and value their workers by raising their salaries. And in, uh, ultimately it helped costs uh, be affordable for, for families. And it's an absolute right for uh, every family that needs it to have high quality, accessible, affordable childcare. And the Republicans refused. And we saw massive organizations Organizing in Republican districts, calling for this, uh, you know, force people who, again, um, are from manufacturing or more economic development backgrounds fighting for this as well. Uh, this is, of course, an economic issue, uh, but more so, again, I think it's a human rights issue that if, if you want uh, to work and take care of your family, sometimes you just need that extra support. Yes. Um, and, and when we saw how families struggled when they didn't have childcare during the midst of COVID, it made it even more apparent that we have been undervaluing uh, the importance of the care economy, which really uplifts the entire community. And and care can't wait. And and these aren't jobs that can be automated. And and no. these are people who show immense love and dignity and you know are caring for children or disabled folks or elderly um, people who need extra care because they love it. And to undervalue and demoralize this industry was horrific. But fortunately, we had a governor who had really a backup plan to supplement these funds uh, through 2025. And, okay. and I'm hopeful that we'll continue uh, to really tr prioritize um, the care economy, which goes beyond just child care. We have to start talking very seriously about paid family medical leave uh, and uh uh, care for our seniors um, yes. and the elderly care infrastructure. We're going to be a state that's more than 50% uh, of the people will be over the age of 65. Our healthcare infrastructure is severely undermined again because of no help from the Republicans. And, and we are heading into more issues and they are rejecting policies that would address these issues right now. Well, and it's just sort of fascinating that we're not just impacting the people that work in that that industry, as you articulate so well, um, that care and want to work in this industry, that we desperately need their compassion and their expertise. Um, but it's also, you know, I work in a um, tenant rights law and eviction court every week, dozens, and I am not exaggerating, dozens of individuals facing eviction because they lost child care. And when they lost child care, they had to stay home from work. And when they had to stay home from work, they lost their job. And now they are facing eviction and they can't pay their rent. And all of the economic implications and all the lives impacted. And, you know, I'm a tenant rights attorney, but that doesn't mean the landlord doesn't deserve to get paid for renting. And they're relying on that salary so they can or that rent income so they can pay um, their mortgage and all the other things and just a huge impact when people don't get their child care. It, 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 it trickles out in all directions all the time. And I would think that everyone in Wisconsin, if not everyone in America, has stories that they can tell of, of, of that, of the importance of this care. Absolutely. And I think we've seen that when, uh, our federal or state government prioritizes investments. It's not funds, it's it's investments in things like childcare or yes. paid leave that uh, you're going to see fewer evictions. When we make investments in housing and ensure that, you know, we can't, when we have the eviction moratorium, uh, we saw that people were able to uh, continue to build um, and have some savings and, and be able to, you know, go back and, and, and pay the rent if they needed to. But we know that it's harder to house people who are out of their homes uh, than and, and it's 
it's it's better to ensure that they stay in their homes. Yes. And I think that, again, the implications and the ripple effect of, of not investing in the care economy um, is going to be disastrous. And what were you saying, though, that there was sort of funding through 2025? Tell us more about that. Yeah, so uh, the governor um, had uh, some federal funds left over from the CARES Act uh, that he was able to uh, invest into uh, the Child Care Accounts Program uh, to ensure that providers had the support and centers were able to stay open. Unfortunately, that time where Republicans were playing games with our Child Care Accounts Program, there were some centers that closed, and it mm. directly impacts, uh, as you said, families family's ability to uh, provide basic needs for their family and pay for basic needs and keep food on the table. And it's it's horrific that uh, they choose uh, to do things like maybe provide subsidies to businesses as opposed to just funding and making an investment in a program that was proven to work and has been succeeding. And again, this was a, and I, I don't want folks to get the impression that 300 million was enough at all. Like that is the bare minimum to help keep our centers open. Mm. We need to continue to make aggressive investments in childcare. So we should expect to see proposals coming up in the next years to continue to fund our childcare and and other care uh, facilities. Good, good. Um, I want to talk about workers' rights. And um, we were talking just before the show started about how it feels like the year of unions, where unions are finally coming back. There are conversations. Just reading a story in the New York Times about union activism on college campuses and how that, I mean, we have such a strong uh, TAA union here at UW-Madison, but I know what an anomaly that is. And to see that it's being replicated in union conversations and worker rights conversations happening uh, with uh, the youth of America is so empowering. What are we seeing at the state legislature um, to sort of mirror that? Not enough, mm -hmm. especially not from the majority party. Republicans uh, are deliberately uh, undermining worker rights and worker justice. Uh, they pretend that they care about uh, people who are working, but they continue to insult working people. Uh, they continue to go after unemployment insurance. Uh, they continue to sow division that, um, you know, it's, it's workers uh, who don't want to work when, again, we have the highest, one of the highest uh, worker participation rates at historic levels mm. here in our state. Wow. It's because of lack of investment in our communities and yes. going back to things like childcare or paid leave, um, things that people need to be able to work that we haven't been prioritizing. And I think in order for worker justice to prevail, the Democrats in introduced, you know, uh, reinstating Act 10, ensuring that uh, workers have protections. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a small business owner, but I've always been pro-union because small business owners and workers uh, formed and ha have historically been an alliance because we have to fight massive special interests and, and corporate profits uh, and really corporate greed, as well as things like price gouging that have created this massive wealth disparities. And so to see workers come together to fight for better wages, to say, you know, when when corporations and corporate and CEOs are able to take these massive bonuses, yet we've got folks who are working, hard working folks, uh, unable to meet basic needs. Um, it's it's absolutely despicable and, and not a reflection of, of where this country needs to go. So it's been very empowering to see the organizing that's happening nationally um, and here in, in Madison across, you know, Starbucks workers who are unionizing, the true stage workers whose perseverance paid off and they finally have a contract that's more fair. Um, and, and so I think uh, this this type of organizing and empowerment is, is really one of the best forms of democracy. Well, and I feel like one of the places where we can see what the values of the Republican leadership is and how they aren't, you know, caring about uh, the economic justice of the workers and uh, residents of the state of Wisconsin is through the budget. 
Uh, and we had a handful of conversations about the budget on this show. But can you remind us this was a year of historic, unprecedented surpluses in the billion, the letter B. Want to make sure everyone's hearing me correct and correctly. Billion dollars of surplus. And yet one of the biggest things in the Republicans budget was a tax credit um, or a, a sort of a tax credit to the, the richest individuals that was vetoed by the governor. Yes. And so, again, this absolutely uh, misaligned and misguided priorities by uh, the majority party. And I think Republicans outwardly rejected the investments that we needed um, and prioritized uh, a a so-called tax um, cut when really it was a tax break for the wealthy few. Um, Some of the top, like I think it was giving the top, like some of the wealthiest 11 people that are in our state, um, uh, a massive uh, tax break. And I think that that is, you know, in this state where we've got communities struggling, truly immoral. Fortunately, the governor vetoed that. Um, But we're still sitting at over a $4 billion state surplus. And so Republicans are absolutely choosing to continue to do harm and not make the investments we need in our communities. I mean, and here, here's the time to, we have money, we have money to fund things that everyone agrees on. It is a nonpartisan issue. And I must say, um, from where I stand, if the Republicans agreed to fund this, they would look like champions. If they gave a darn about child care, if they gave a darn about public education, I can't imagine who in the state of Wisconsin wouldn't stand up and applaud that. They really wanted to stick it to the governor and they wanted to take credit for the budget. And I think that right now we're seeing uh, legislation come through the legislature uh, where they're trying to look better. They tried to look better through that disingenuous MAPS legislation. And I think uh, people in this state, knowing that they have been uh, harming the state for over 12 years, um, are not going to take it anymore. And I think that once we have fair maps, and I truly believe we will see um, fair maps and, and, and gerrymandering in our future, uh, we're going to finally be able to pass policies that um, will improve people's lives and livelihoods. Um, I will say one other thing that the Republicans are doing right now yes. um, that is truly horrific is um, they are not releasing the $125 million uh, that was passed in the budget uh, to mitigate PFAS in groundwater. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, federal uh, regulations or state regulations can't come through. And um, again, because they put into the budget that this was something that had to be released through the Joint Finance Committee, they put up obstacles instead of recognizing that clean water is a human right. And we've got communities in Peshtigo where their private ground uh, uh, well water is contaminated with PFAS at some of them can't bathe in their water and, and turn on their taps and be able to drink it. So it's really the cruelty is the point and they have no interest uh, in governing in a way um, that's going to improve lives. They just want to dismantle it. That's really disappointing to hear um, all of that. Um, and I'm so thankful and grateful that you're there to tell us about this and to bear witness and to make sure that we know and rise up and respond to it. Um, Francesca, we talked really quickly when we talked about Janet Protese, which we talked about abortion. Abortion has certainly had um, twists and turns, um, access to reproductive um, uh, rights, including abortion, but also the whole gamut of reproductive rights and reproductive justice in Wisconsin. There's um, current uh, issues going through the the state uh, courts. Can you tell us sort of what's the status of access to abortion and reproductive freedom in Wisconsin? So unrestricted abortion access is still being attacked in our state. I'm really heartened to see uh, abortion um, 
uh, rights and, and access to abortion be restored in Madison and Milwaukee and most recently Sheboygan. Uh, but we heard today that the Sheboygan DA plans to challenge uh, uh, really the lower court's decision uh, to restore abortion access. So the fight isn't over and, and the funding for abortion and groups like Planned Parenthood and WMF, uh, we have to remain uh, vigilant and aggressive about it because again, unrestricted abortion access is what we're demanding and fighting for. And we know that reproductive freedom is a right of anyone uh, who uh, can get pregnant. And I think that, um, you know, across the country, we are seeing the dangers uh, of what happens yes. when abortion access is eliminated. So um, again, because I was heartened by the organizing I've been seeing in our state, uh, I know that the people of Wisconsin will continue to prioritize unrestricted abortion access and reproductive freedom. So in our, in our final minutes here, what do we think we're going to see in 2024 Um I think regarding abortion, do we think there's going to be um, this case is going to reach the Wisconsin Supreme Court? Um, I think that it's imperative we continue to fight to uh, 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 eliminate uh, the um, the abortion um, uh, a law that uh, doesn't um, the, the 1849 uh, abortion law and I think yeah. uh, we need to once once that's eliminated uh, we'll be able to further protect abortion access um, but I think 2024 is going to be a lot of chaos and we're going to see uh, the some of the the, the worst of Republicans um, but I think that should be a good sign for us Democrats that our fight um, and really our long-term goal to ensure freedoms and, and security and safety for all Wisconsinites, um, our movement is growing. Yeah, their final sort of fits of, of, of fury and, and, and uh, as, as they see themselves being distinguished or uh, extinguished is really what we're hopeful will happen. I want to sort of understand, you know, extinguishing, you know, the false claims of... Um, rights to uh elections and i want to understand what we think is going to happen in 2024 i i'm really worried about what the election is going to look like and you know extinguishing the statements that elections had been stolen that we can't trust our election system how um can we be ready for those conversations I think we have to support our election workers, uh, continue to uh, be vigilant and, and remain steadfast in, in telling folks that our elections are secure, safe, and fair, uh, that in order for us to have a free and fair democracy, uh, we need everyone to continue to turn out and vote. Uh, and, and really the absurdity that comes with uh, trying to undermine democracy, we know are an extremist view. So we need every single person and to again reiterate that here in Wisconsin and across the country, uh, we deserve and we will continue to fight for free, safe and secure elections. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you, Francesca. Thank you for joining us today and sort of giving us a, a wrap up of what happened in 2023 and a vision of what could happen uh, in the year to come. It's been fabulous talking with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Carissa. Wonderful to be here with you. And have a happy holiday season and happy new year to you, Francesca. Happy new year to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening today. Again, we've been talking with Wisconsin State Representative Francesca Hong. And um, we will see you. I'll be out next week, but we'll see you again in two weeks. Have a great new year, everyone. Huge thank you to Jade for producing, Shali, our uh, news director, Jay for engineering. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. You are listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. Next up, Letters and Politics. The big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war.